You're listening to The Melting Podcast, a writing variety show featuring a little of everything from everyone, everywhere. Hey there, Lexicon of Sewers and Word Shifts. It's your head chef, A.F. Grampin, bringing you another Balticon bonus episode of The Melting Podcast. Um, real quick before we get started, just want to let you know, things are a little touch and go right now. The podcast crew is currently displaced from our normal house slash recording set studio. Um, and we are not in each other's presence as often as we should be, so you're probably going to be hearing a lot more of me over the next few episodes than you're used to, as opposed to hearing, you know, a lot of Aaron and Theo. Um, just because of our current situation, we're going to try to keep the podcast um, releasing on schedule, but it may be a one chef show predominantly for a while. Um, we'll keep you posted. Just keep on checking our Facebook uh, group. Um, stop by and, you know, ask to join. You get in without, you know, any fuss. Um, we're also on Twitter at Melting Podcast. It's not as active as Facebook. Um, but so I'm going to give you a panel from Balticon 51, where Aaron and I were both guests. So without further ado, Here's the panel. Be afraid. Be very afraid. <laughs> wow. Hi. Uh-huh. I know, she's got that down, don't she? The beatings will continue until morale improves. Until professionalism improves. What's that? <laughs> That's a good question. <laughs> Cooley, you're monitoring this panel. I know. No, we're not going to see that. <laughs> Howdy, this is Writing for Audio. We have an esteemed group of, of panelists, podcasters, and PC Herring. He said, oh. <laughs> You're lucky I'm over here. Uh, my name is Paul E. Cooley. I'm a writer of The Derelict Saga, The Black, uh, Garagas Children, Closet Treats, Tattoo, yada, 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 whatever. Um, I'm also a Parsec Award winner, which means... Uh, Thank you. Take it I, off. I won Best Novel two years ago for that. So I've been doing writing, uh, I've been doing audio with my writing for about nine years now. Deserved. Which is kind of terrifying. <laughs> but uh, it's been a long, strange trip. So those are my bona fides. Sitting next to me is Aaron. Introduce yourself, Aaron. Hi, I'm Aaron Kazmark. I am the co-host of The Melting Podcast, I'm a narrator, voice actor, and I've done work on a couple other podcasts as well, such as Supervillain Corner and The Voices of Free Planet X. And here we have Gus. I'm AF Grappin. I am the other host of The Melting Podcast. I'm also the producer. I am the writer of... Vampire Needed, a, an independent audio drama that we'll be releasing eventually. Oh, yeah, I'm in that, too. <clears throat> yeah, she's in that. Um, I'm also the author of Star Signs and the Deadly, Deadly Studies series. And then we have Veronica Jiguer. Hi, I'm Veronica Jiguer. I am a voice artist and audiobook narrator. Um, I read everything that is put in front of me, regardless of genre or challenge. Um, I am a co-author and narrator and producer of the Secret World Chronicle podcast novel series, also published by Bayon, fifth book coming out soon. Um, and that's written with Mercedes Lackey, Dennis Lee, Cody Martin, and me. Um, <laughs> that podcast has been going on since 2007. Uh, it has lost many times in the Parsec Award finalists. Too many fine people, one here on this panel. 
And, <laughs> um, and I have had the honor of narrating work for many folks that you will encounter here at Baltimore. Including me. Inclu- including. Is that why he won? <laughs> oh. Next we have PC Herring. I'm PC Herring. I am author of Cybrosis, a codename Cyrus Conspiracy, which was produced as a full cast podcast audio back in 2010. I am an award-winning short story writer of The Seven, A Tale from the Ministry of Peculiar Occurrences, which won for audio production. I am also the author of the forthcoming, or the current, recently released, but forthcoming audio that she will be narrating of Slipspace Harbinger, also available downstairs in the dealer's room. And our late arrival is Mr. Steve Lubbs, and I know nothing about you, sir. Sorry about that. Uh, you're not alone. <laughs> Introduce yourself, please. Uh, I am the coordinator of the Balticon Writers' Workshop. I have been so for over 30 years now. This is uh, audio is something new for me. I'm right now in the process of doing scripts for audio. I have not had anything produced, although I have had a story written, or published in Analog back in 1988 and several nonfiction works, nonfiction articles published in major magazines. So, basically, I guess what we're, what we're talking about today is the craziness that goes on when you actually are writing for something specifically to go to audio, um, all of us here are writing fiction for, we, we are writing our own fiction. Many of us actually narrate our own fiction as well. So we're well aware of the, the intricacies between the two. And I guess, uh, along with, with script writing for audio, we have a lot of the same issues, which is straight reads, characterization, um, all the different styles of narration, all the different styles of audio production that you can do, whether you, 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 want to or not. And the other question is whether you should do, which I frequently ask myself why I'm doing this, but that's beside the point. So, Aaron, yes. what is your process? Well, for me right now, I only have one story that I wrote for audio, um, did it for our podcast. Um, for me, what I did was trying to write it, make sure my sentences were short enough that my narrator could have time to breathe. That's a big one. Um, but for the most part, I'm coming at it from the perspective of the person doing the reading. Okay. Um, the one who actually <laughs> has to take the work. Um, spoon. <laughs> she can't say spoon. <laughs> Not without laughing. Um, for me, what I look for when someone is giving me something that they want me to read, luckily most of the stuff that I read is from people that I know. Mm-hmm. So I can ask them any question, you know, is there a particular, something that you're wanting out of this, a theme you're wanting out of this, if I have problems pronouncing names, things that just, just getting the clarity, um, working on the audio drama now, um, one of the very interesting things is um, I come from a theater background, a stage background, so I'm used to acting with my body and not just my voice, so having to find the balance between what the authors are wanting from the audio production, from my performance, and balancing that with putting myself into it. So, so most of the questions that, that, that get asked and everything, I'm going to be coming from kind of the other side of it and adding the, the being the narrator, being... Right, there's two of you on this the panel that really... Uh, yeah, between the two of us, we got both those, sides of, of it. Yeah, so that's where I am in there. <laughs> what about you, Gus? Um, my process in, uh, for writing for audio really is... I, I need to figure out the action itself. Um, and it, sometimes I will actually just write the prose of a scene 
And the dialogue is easy to transpose. I mean, that's the dialogue. But if I've got, you know, people that are fighting, if I'm going to go choking you, I have to get that across in audio. And I can't, I can't just have you say, why are you choking me? <laughs> You're going to need to figure out, okay, how can I get across that I'm choking you without just saying, why are you choking me? Just, it's, getting the action into it, um, that's going to be in your, you know, your stage direction or your sound effects directions. So figuring out what you can use that's not going to make it like, you know, read, just reading a very bad script. <laughs> um, but knowing what the limitations of audio are. Um, the, uh, oh, I suddenly cannot think of the name of it. Um, there's the, uh, oh, the Leviathan Chronicles. Okay, yes. That's one of yes. the best examples. Well produced, of, very, very well produced. Yeah, they have chase scenes. Do not listen to them when you're on your commute. No, because <laughs> you'll be pedal to the metal. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm hearing sirens. I'm on the back roads and, 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 uh, just south of Nashville, Tennessee, and I'm like, where? It's the audio. <laughs> um, just knowing that you don't have to do everything with dialogue, I think, is one of the biggest things I've learned since I've started doing the podcast and writing, uh, writing for audio. So, Veronica? Well, there's – so you guys are talking about audio drama and mm-hmm. audio scripts, whereas I do audio books. And mm-hmm. one of the – in audio books where you're going from your print straight into what you're going to download on Audible or listen to a book or iTunes um, – you're going to read everything. So it's, and a lot of, a lot of producers do not want to put in sound effects because if you're just reading the book, it's going to take away from the, the sense of telling the story. So it's pacing. Um, if I'm writing, then I'm remembering, like Aaron said, when do I breathe? (laughs) Because it, for this part, I'm generally writing for myself. Um, I'm one of four. And I'll remind my co-authors, I can't do that accent. Please don't make me do that accent. You can try. <laughs> I'll try. <laughs> and so I thought I can do that. Certain words, like you said, grasp. The source. Um, yes. The source. Stephen Fry cannot say pocketed. Pocketed it. Pocketed? Yeah. And, and, Jake, and he asked if every time he was reading the Harry Potter books of J.K. Rowell, if he said, J.K., can I just please say he put it in his pocket? No. He pocketed it. You can't I, say, I can't it, say it, it either. Pocketed. Damn. Yeah, no, there, 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 there are certain words or certain pocketed. phrases. About it when you ask, yeah. This mm-hmm. is the children's book. Can you just put it in words that I can actually use? Mm-hmm. And so she used it in every Yeah, she, she, yeah she started real, making a point yeah. of using it. But finding, finding the words and phrasings that if, you, if you're working with your narrator, be kind to them. Because if they can focus on telling the story, then the performance, your listener's going to have a better time, your narrator's going to have a better time, it's going to be a better overall quality product. Um, pacing in audiobooks with yeah, effects, I want to give less that, I want to, I want to cover pacing as, a, as kind of a separate topic. Is this, that's going to be, that's, that's kind of fraught with peril in itself. <laughs> uh, PC? My process is one that's currently in transition. Um, I produced, um, I, I work with audiobooks as well. I don't do audio drama. So with Cybrosis, it was fun trying to wrangle 20 different cast members into the same, you know, into the same recording when they're recording in different parts of the world months apart from one another. Uh-huh. Um, these days, because of time and life and everything else, I'm switching over to a, a straight read hired narrator. Um, though with the line of conversation I think we're going to, I'll still be doing the, the post-production element of it. 
Um, so my process in the broad strokes is to get the book out, have it ready to rock and roll for you know the print and the ebook release, then take the manuscript, adapt it to what Veronica will need or whatever my narrator will need to suit their needs, whether that's just here's the text, go, or here's the text, here's margin notes on context that the character knows that you don't. I mean, we're still working out those details. Here's the pronunciation guide of my proper nouns that are unique to this universe because if you say Nira versus Nara, it's two different things and you're going to lose people. Um, and so I'm, I'm kind of, I feel like I'm, I'm blazing a new trail in my process right now and um, I've got some good people working with and around me that are going to help. Make sure I don't screw this up. <laughs> so, Steve, have you done? Have you have you actually started doing the audio, or are you still just in script phase? Right now, I'm still in script phase. Okay. Uh, my problem, which I hope is not true to other people, is that every single audio book I've listened to has put me to sleep. <laughs> You're listening that's, to the wrong that's, ones. That's, yeah. that's, that's, a, that's a serious. I've heard can... some excellent actors mm -hmm. doing narration, and every single time, I fall asleep. So my wife, that. my wife is exactly the same. She can't listen to audiobooks. Okay, so my push is more for audio drama. Okay, and what my process is is I'll write the story first, so I have that down. And I know what it is about and where it's heading, and then I try to think, okay, now how is this going to come across as a drama? I've got different voices. I may have sound effects, but I can't put all the words that I have from my. Uh, original story you know, thing because they just won't fit. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's a matter of, as they said over here, what is it that you have available in audio drama? You can't put everything over there. So what do you have to get your story across? And that is where I'm going. Okay. I don't do audio drama, really. <laughs> I do audio books. Um, I make the majority of my money from, from Audible um, as well as ebook sales. And when I'm writing, I've gotten into this terrible habit. It's an awful habit, but it works, of interspersing short sentences with the long sentences, trying to choose words I know I can pronounce when I have to freaking narrate it, <laughs> which is a real problem for me at times because I have Texas mush mouth. But um, while I'm actually narrating in a perfect world, I do the audiobook before I send the final manuscript to the editors at, at, at wherever I'm, you know, either my editor or Sever Press's editor. Because during that process of going through the narration, you find the awkward sentences, you find the awkward dialogue, and you find the freaking typos that have been hiding yep. from you no yep. matter how many times oh, you've read yeah. the manuscript. Mm -hmm. They oh, yeah. pop out because you're looking at it and going... Why the hell is that spelled that way, or why is that word there? Mm -hmm. Or autocorrect has given you a wonderful uh, gift. Um, I usually try to turn it. I love off. the damn you autocorrect memes. Yes. Oh, yeah, yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah. And, and when it show up in fiction, it's bad. News. I've never used the word ducking. <laughs> <laughs> so, so one of one, one of the problems is if you're um, if you're a writer and you write your book. And you've got your manuscript ready. It has the, the thing hasn't been published yet, and you're trying to hire a narrator. Is to make sure that you have read the manuscript aloud to find those things yes. before you mm -hmm. give it to somebody like Veronica. Who's and also <laughs> make sure that when you hire this narrator, you let them know that it's going to be a straight read 
which means there's no real dramatization. There's no character voices. There's not going to be any sound effects or any of that, any of that happy crappy. Or, hey, I want these characters to have different voices. And then you have to go through and not be Terry Mixon and actually tell the narrator what those voices and, and accents oh. are before your narrator starts narrating. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you have to kind of plan ahead and you have to think of yourself as basically the director mm-hmm. because Absolutely. you are hiring a narrator, whether through beer or actually money, actual money, to bring, to bring your work to life. Mm-hmm. And that means that you are responsible for being part of the QC process. You're responsible for um, imagining what these, narr- what, what these characters sound like, the style of narration you want the beats that you want in there, you're going to have to review the audio. It's not as simple as just, you know, throwing the script over the wall and expecting perfection. Mm-hmm. It doesn't work like that. And there may be some back and forth. There may be, and there's going to be some back and forth. In, yeah. in a perfect yeah. world, what you were doing is you were partnering with a the narrator. They're the one that has to perform. Therefore, mm-hmm. you have to make certain concessions mm-hmm. as to what mm-hmm. they can do. When, speaking as an audio producer, um, when I was working on Cybrosis, I like I said, it was full cast, and I had one character was voiced by a young woman in Virginia. The other character was voiced by a gentleman in Wisconsin. And because of delays, they were months apart in their delivery. And it's an emotional scene, and this my female character gives this dramatic, shouty, cryy, you know, monologue. And the response from my male character was just so flat that it just didn't work. And I ended up having to not only send him back for more content, but had to send him the original audio that, uh, here's what you're going to be reacting to. Mm-hmm. And then I had to re-edit the manuscript mm-hmm. so the narration would make him seem a lot more sympathetic than just sitting across the desk while this person is you know bawling her eyes out in front of him. Mm-hmm. Um, it's definitely collaborative, and it's never finalized until you push <laughs> No, it's, it's, it is, and if you're writing straight for audio, um, and we mentioned Leviathan Chronicles, that's something you should definitely look at. You should also look at uh, J. Daniel Sawyer's Antithesis Progression. Yes. Um, these are full cast audio dramas with very little narration. So basically, it's all about dialogue. It's all about the, 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 the sound effects in the background. And the two gentlemen that produced that, J. Daniel Sawyer uh, for the Antithesis Progression and Christopher Laputka, is it? Uh, Laputka. Christopher Laputka. Christoph Laputka. Christoph Laputka. Or, uh, um, Leviathan. They are audio. They are audiophiles. They know how to do everything. Mm-hmm. They have spectacular production. And if they don't know how to do something, they pay, pay people. Um, also, Hidden Harbor Mysteries. Yes, I was Hidden, say. Hidden Harbor Mysteries. Jay, Jay Harbor Smith. Mysteries, yeah. um, Brian Lincoln. Why the right. heck isn't he here? I don't know. Jay is fantastic for, he's done many audio dramas. He's done HG World, he's done Hidden Harbor Mysteries, and Brian Lincoln, among the, the new media podcast tribe, right, yeah. is one of the best. Audio wizard. Just amazing. He's phenomenal. Um, mm-hmm. But those two, the Hidden Harbor Mysteries is a good one, especially for the Foley and sound effects yes. that come yeah. across with characterization. And even better, if you like the like old-timey, the Shadow Nose audio dramas, <laughs> yes. that it's a fantastic gateway. Oh, I promise so you will not fall asleep. Oh, if, you so go, if you go back to the old, the old radio dramas that were you know, back before TV, or most people had TV, that is the bread and butter of what we do. That's mm-hmm. one of the reasons why podcasts kind of... And audiobooks too, kind of, kind of screamed up the line. It's because we were bringing that back, and it was in a format you could consume while you were on your commute, 
or you were flying on an airplane or anything else, you had a chance and you could, you know, go wash the dishes while you're listening to the podcast. And it made a really, really big difference. And that's basically what dragged me back into writing, period. And I'm so glad it did because now I'm a full-time writer. But the, uh, the format, the audiobook, all this stuff is experiencing a resurgence and has been for a while. Don't, don't listen to what the naysayers say because they're full of crap and it's all clickbait. But the, uh, yeah, alternative the, facts. Yeah. Alternative facts. <laughs> the bottom line is there is a way to do it if you're a writer and you're actually thinking about trying to put the audio in. If you have a publisher and you haven't and you gave them those rights, chances are they're going to hire somebody to do it and you're not going to have a whole lot of control. Um, as uh, for myself, I will never work with a publisher who um, grabs my audio rights. It's not happening. Nope. Ever. Mm-mm. Period. But be that as it may, there are certain tricks you can use as a writer to help out your narrator or to help out yourself in your narrating. We talked about action scenes. This is where pacing becomes very important. This actually is kind of writing 101. But if you have an action scene, you want to have the short, choppy sentences. You want to have them. You want to have those words, even if they're um, com- they should be compound sentences. I break that shit up. I will start a sentence with and. I will start a sentence with but. I want that period there. I don't want a lot of commas. I don't want a lot of semicolons. I don't want a lot of colons, dashes, any of that garbage. I want these short phrases that ring in the reader's ear uh, while they're reading it. And it's especially important for audio because then you can add the tension to it as the narrator or as the character. And at the same time, you, you can have the long word, the long version before you get into the action scenes. Cut that up, make it choppy, and then bring it back out. And that's something I've noticed when, when reading something more actiony with the shorter sentences, it, it changes the way I breathe, yes, and mm-hmm. therefore changes the way things come out. You're saying it really fast, and it's action, and it and you can get that that sense of it from your narrator just by giving them that type of sentence. Mm-hmm. It, it it just naturally makes that happen, and it enhances performance so much. Yeah, and it, it, it's something you should you know if you're if you're writing period, it, it's something you should learn how to do. It's a good trick to use. If you go and look at your favorite books, or you think about action movies. What are action movies? When, when an action movie has a, a, uh, a serious, I don't know, fight or whatever is going on, think about it. You're only seeing like five-second bits of the scene. And the reason is is because they're trying to get you so immersed in what's going on, what each character, what each actor is doing on the screen, that you don't ha- even have time to think. Mm-hmm. And that's the whole point because it, it gets that adrenaline rush from you. And a great writer... A good writer will do it competently. A great writer, which I'm aspiring to be, will be able to do it in such a way that it just drags you and makes you keep turning pages over and over and over mm-hmm. again. And it's the same exact thing in audio. I get I get uh, comments. I know everybody on this panel has gotten these comments where we're putting out episodic weekly podcasts and we stop the story on a cliffhanger. <laughs> <laughs> and then you get the hate mail. Because the person is stuck with a choice, which is, I can either go buy the goddamn audiobook now and mainline it, or I have to wait a week to get the next fix. I actually got a laminated card naming me a cliffhangering bastard. Yes, it's in my recording booth. Yes, I have. Uh, they gave me the shirt, co-founding member of the Cliffhanger Bastard yeah. Club. Yeah, it's uh, a badge of honor. So yeah, it is a badge of honor. So I mean, if you're a writer, it's a great way to do things too, because then uh, if you're doing this episodically, 
they have a choice, which is to go buy the audiobook or go buy the ebook or the trade paperback. Mm-hmm. And yes, it's cruel and evil, and I enjoy the hell out of it. <laughs> Um, and I think everybody here does. Yeah. Well, part of that's a marketing strategy, and yeah. that's a different panel. But yeah. you know, if you want it for free, you're going to get it over the course of a season. You know, mm-hmm. if you want it now, go and buy. You got to pay for it. Yeah. yeah. If you have to wait 27 weeks for the to get the entire story, it can be very cable versus Netflix. So yeah, no, it's true. <laughs> but all that, all that, all that goes back into script writing stuff too, yeah. because when you're writing. A script, and you look at if you've ever read a screenplay, for instance, um, and you look at the dialogue, it is structured in such a way to keep the the viewer or the listener kind of moving back and forth between the characters. And then, if you're going to have sound effects, you're going to leverage that stuff in the background to add more atmosphere to the um, to the story. So, when you're writing for whether you're doing a radio drama, an audio drama, or just a straight-up audiobook, these are things you kind of have to think about as a writer. I don't necessarily think audio should affect your writing in the sense that you have to change your style, no. but I think yeah. it's something that you need to be aware of because it it translates back into what the reader is going to experience too. Mm-hmm. So when I, 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 I train myself to think in audio terms just by doing it, and it's really affected my style of writing, and that's not necessarily a bad thing, but it is what it is. And yeah. I think we kind of all fall into that. The thing that happens with me um, is that I originally tried to do Slipspace Harbinger as a full cast, and it was just too time-consuming from where I was. So I actually, there is a somewhere in my archives a lost chapter one that's been fully produced. And as I'm going back and editing the rest of the book or working on the next books in the series with the same characters... Um, with that and now with the Codename Cyrus, I'm actually hearing the voice of the actor or actress who gave that character a physical voice mm-hmm. as I'm writing, as I'm editing. And I can hear Doc giving an order or Veronica responding to this or Paul doing this. And that helps me kind of crystallize in my mind a little bit as from a writer and an editing standpoint of would this sentence work? Yes, you still have to read it out loud. But I already have it kind of out loud in my head because I can hear their voice to it. It's not just me looking at words on a page. Yeah. One. Oh, sorry. Oh, go ahead. I was going to say one thing where, please, with audio, take it into consideration. I listen to so many audiobooks. You've heard me grab about the set problem. There are things that you overlook while physically reading a book that you cannot overlook in audio. And I'm going to harp on John Scalzi's Red Shirts for this in red shirts it's a spoof it's a little bit of a satire on star trek and will wheaton did the audio version and he's got characters giving conversations now reading the book you would overlook all the he said she said tags he's got two characters named doll and duval having a conversation it's blah 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 doll said blah 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 duval said and will wheaton is reading every single one of these and you can tell he's getting bored stuff like that will pull you right out of an audiobook yeah, something for me um, when I'm, I'm narrating a story because we do uh, short stories and flash um, on the podcast. Um, when I'm narrating, but I also have to do any voices, I notice speech patterns. And if if it has to be all in my voice, I don't have other people providing voices for characters. Um, there's only so many things I can do to manipulate my voice. You're you're still going to be able to hear it. it's the same person just yeah. tweaking their voice a bit. Yeah. 
Um, if, say it's a character named Joe and a character named Charlene, but they have the exact same speech pattern, I can change my voice all you want. I can do the he said, she said. But but everyone speaks differently. Everyone like I interrupt myself constantly when I talk, as you just heard. Like you just did. Like I just did. <laughs> um, everyone's going to speak differently. So particularly if you're doing an audio drama where it's just dialogue, you don't have narration or anything like that. Oh yeah. You really need to differentiate how each person speaks. Everyone has a different different style. Are is this going to be a person who is very focused on grammar? Are they very correct? Someone who speaks like that is probably going to have a voice where they enunciate what every kind of, little what thing. What kind of colloquialisms mm-hmm. does the character use? Yes, yeah. where are they from? What what kind of like is their their curse going to be? Oh Lord! Or if they're from somewhere else, you know what Death what are they going to say? Is this someone who pauses a lot? Put pauses in. Put different speech styles is a wonderful way to get better performances out of people, especially if you have someone like when Veronica has done narration for an entire book and had to do multiple voices, give us speech styles. Mm -hmm. So then we can play and it helps us to help you. We're going to be able to produce better stuff if we have more to work with in that regard. Even if you just write normally and then go back and relook at your dialogue and like, okay, so every time that Bart speaks, I just need to focus on his lines and make sure he's saying them the way that he's going to be. He's different from everyone else. Um, I've actually had to do that. I tend to write everybody's dialogue like I talk. And she yanks on my ear and says, no, they, they speak differently. I'm like, okay, fine. I'll well, what you learned a lot when you started writing something for me to read and you realized mm-hmm. I have speech patterns. Yeah. And so you can actually learn from your narrator, from mm-hmm. your voice actors. And, and like they were saying about, I hear this person saying this. I hear, <laughs> if you already have a cast in mind, like if you're in, a, in an ongoing audio drama that you're producing episodes together regularly, <laughs> you'll start to hear that and you'll be able to write things the way they speak. And it becomes more personalized and it can actually help you write. Mm-hmm. If you're thinking, okay, well, this person does this all the time. So that helps me with, with stylization of their speech patterns. So it's Whoa. very... It's very hard to do something wrong when you're writing audio um, because if it's going to work well for your narrator or your cast and it's going to make the book sound good in the performance, you're going to turn out a better product as an author. Um, and it's, it, it's a learning process. But think about it. If you're going to give a narrator character sheets or just quick character descriptions – and I don't mean like the 12 page, you know, character <laughs> write up where you yeah, learn guess. about hobbies and, you know, what they did in 12th grade at summer camp. Um, Unless it's relevant to the story. But, but what about band camp? Underwater not, basket weaving. Not necessarily. <laughs> because the whole, what's your motivation? As a narrator, I only care about my motivation in that particular point of the story because mm-hmm. if I am thinking more than a one chapter ahead, I'm going to be distracted and yep. I'm not going to give mm-hmm. you the best performance. Mm-hmm. Yes. When I prep a book, I skim it. Now, I one of the, thank goodness, one of my talents that I have is I speed read. Me too. And I absorb <laughs> paragraphs in the time it takes most people to absorb sentences. Mm-hmm. It is a blessing and a curse. Mm-hmm. But in this case, it's awesome because... I was prepping a book on my flight in. Two hours. The sixth book in Terry Mixon's Empire of Bones saga. It's what? 70, 80,000 words? Somewhere yeah, yeah. There? I think that's about his average. Yeah, that okay. seems to be about right. I, He writes short books. Yeah. 
I read it in an hour and a half. Mm -hmm. And that's me and my Kindle flip. Flip. Okay. Ooh. I hate you right now. It's I, I am an author's too. worst I nightmare because I absorb, you know, ooh, that was great. When's the next one? Two years. I'm sorry. <laughs> no. You cliffhangering best. I know. <laughs> well, I know. So it's, but when doing that, I, I read once to skim to see where the story goes. Mm -hmm. I go through a second time to get all the characters for every chapter and how many pages. Because I need to know how many different voices I do. I do character mm -hmm. voices. I don't do really distractingly. Um, I do enough to make sure you know who is speaking to whom. Um, and I know my range. It's getting better, but I know my range. I can't brainstorm a Russian character without hearing. Uh, <laughs> moose and squirrels. Oh, it's always moose and squirrels. And when we, yeah, I, I may have, I, I turned an entire colony in Empire of Bones Russian when they shouldn't have been. So now they're all floppy British. It's great. <laughs> but it works because if there's ever another system that comes up in that saga, I've got the Russian. It's going to be full of Russians. But so, I, so I prepped the second time to get character and pages. And then I start narrating. Because if your narrator is too prepared, um, you're gonna you're gonna lose that bit in their delivery. Mm -hmm. When you're doing an audio drama, some people would send, "Well, just send me my lines." No, no, you have no. to know what you're reacting. Yeah, to. you have to know yeah, how you're reacting. And thing. those people, if you're a part of an audio, I just want to read my lines. Well, one, that's a disservice to the author and how they put the audio drama together. Yes. yes. But two, read everything so you know where you're going to go. Mm -hmm. You know, in reacting. Going from. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, there there is such a thing as too much preparation. You know, kind of kind of dovetailing off of a couple <laughs> things that were said about taking off dialogue tags and how knowing you're going to write it for audio helps improve your writing. One of the things that I've been working on is removing those dialogue tags. And one of the ways you can get around not having dialogue tags per se with the he said, she said, but still put them in the book is you write it into the action. Yes. yes. If you, um, Doc, you're here and Veronica, you're here. You guys have had this scene before. If you have two characters that are fighting in, you know, it's, it's a married couple or it's a siblings and, you know, you know that you're going to start losing who's speaking, but you don't want to say he, he said, said, she said, she said, then, you know, he, she says something like, what the hell are you doing here? You ruined my career. And instead of saying, having, having said, he said, blah, 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 I said, he threw his hands in the air. Oh, great. Here we go again. She's got a shitty deal, yes. and now it's all my fault. And It doesn't break up the action as much action, when someone's but speaking. But it still identifies who is yes. speaking. So if you don't have separate voice actors, right. you've just got one person narrating yep. it, it differentiates mm -hmm. it without stopping for the, he said. So yeah, and when Doc read that line in the in the Lost Chapter One, he delivered it brilliantly. Of course, I'm just saying. Yeah, <laughs> I think the only real problem with that is that if you're an author, you have to be really careful because if you have four or five people in a scene, mm -hmm. you're going to need that yes. shit. You just yeah. have yes. to have it. Yeah, yeah. I was and say that's that's when you're doing a dialogue. That's yeah. that's easy to do when you're doing what what, what I call three person banter. Yes. Then you have to be very specific mm -hmm. in the patterns of speech for each character, mm -hmm. the particular actions, so that you can keep track of who dropped yep. what bomb lot where. Right. Yes. One more cautionary thing is I started removing he said, she said tags when I was writing uh, Black Outbreak. Mm -hmm. It would not, just for the audio version, if, if I got several comments from readers and listeners saying Whisper Sync didn't work. Yes. Which yeah. is one of the things that people look at. If you don't know what that is, it basically means if you buy the Kindle version and the audiobook from Audible, 
they have a system where you can read the Kindle book and then the Audible piece will start up where you finished off in the Kindle book and vice versa. And it has to be 97% accurate. And it has to be very accurate. So if you start changing words on the fly, you're kind of going to screw things up for your for your, um, your, your customers. And yeah. that can be uncomfortable. But my response was, sorry, mm-hmm. tough shit, but sorry. But at the same time, if there's enough of a change, you can, I mean, for Kindle and, and you know, I, if especially if going through KDP. If you're doing it as an indie, if um, you're working for a publisher, it gets much more complex to get them to take the time to make a change to a book. Because in indie, yes. all you have to do is upload a new file. Yes, and, and that's, and and that's, and that, and believe yeah. me, yeah. that's some freedom that I absolutely freaking yeah. miss. <laughs> <laughs> so Steve, when you're, when you're writing the uh, um, scripts for your stuff, are you thinking about how the, the character voices you know. change, dialection, things like that? Oh, absolutely. Okay. One of the worst problems I had when I was writing stories to straight fiction, people telling me that your characters sound so much so alike, I can't tell them apart. And I was wrestling with that for a long time. I finally hit on the idea, okay, instead of having one person doing all these characters, what if I take all the people who I know, my friends mm-hmm. and so forth, and I put them in as the characters, I'll listen to them speak. Mm-hmm. Because yes. I'll speak over time, and I'll write down how they say these things. Mm-hmm. I don't know what words they use, I know what inflection they have, I know when they cut in and when they don't cut in, when I just sit there passively, and it works. Because you know these people very well, you can like them very well if you listen carefully enough. Mm-hmm. It goes along with the right what you know, using real life mm-hmm. to, to make it more realistic. I like yeah, if that. You, if you go and listen, if you, one of my favorite things to do in college while I was doing homework, writing, and, and drinking copious amounts of coffee to cover up my hangover. Coffee, right. Was to, uh, yeah, there's no coffee in my stories. Was to uh, <laughs> sit there and listen to people around me talk, strangers, absolute yes. strangers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, if you recorded what they said and you tried to play it for somebody, it would usually be some really boring shit. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But if you spend the time to listen for how they talk, the beats they give, um, the laughter, the 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 the, the size, the do they say um? Do they say um? Or do they lot? repeat the four times while they're getting their thoughts together? The, 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 yeah, the, yeah. The, 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 the stutter. Mm-hmm. All those things are what we do every day when we talk. If you go anywhere and you listen for five minutes, you are going to hear. Man, so many different people have so many different styles. And that's something you take into your writing. It's something you take into your audio. The thing is, these these formats play off one another more than... than uh, um, See, there I did. The, 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 uh-huh. <laughs> See, now we're all thinking about now it. We're all, now we're all conscious so of it. It's, it's audio and, re- and reading, audio and writing, writing for audio, writing for, 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 for the book. They play off one another. They're very, very simple. Huh? This book right here. This book right here. They're very, very symbiotic in the sense that they they add to one another. Whereas, whoops. <laughs> Thanks. Whereas if you're looking at the visual medium, completely different animal. Completely different animal because it, in, I'm not, not always, but enough. It's not the same experience. It won't translate to book the same way that, that the audio does and vice versa. It's just not the same thing at all. So I think it's very, very, very important for writers to actually listen to what's going on around them in their daily lives. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, I would say with narrators, too, you're, you get ideas for character voices. I, I do a lot of podcasts. We interview people on Dead Robot Society, who's writing podcasts and co-host of. 
And I'm always listening to how these, these strangers that I don't know speak and how, and their facial expressions and everything else. And when you're narrating real work, you have to find ways to use your voice to bring those pieces to life. It's not just speaking in a straight monotone. It is finding that gravel that that, that particular um, person has. Or if they, you know, talk in a, in a higher timber and do this, that, and the other. It's, it's little things like that that will actually change the flavor of the character when, you, when you're uh, doing uh, um, the narration and, and also writing for the audio and how you describe their voice and the, and the kind of words they may use in that. I would imagine it might be a little harder writing for yourself to read it because you don't have that go between between narrator and author where creative collaboration, doing it for yourself, you might miss things more easily. So the observation yes. is even more important for you. Well, the other thing is now I'm doing, and I haven't done this in the past, but I have to do it with Derelict because Derelict is like one humongous story and the characters really don't change is the fact that now I have to keep files for what each character sounds like. So when I go between recording sessions, and I'm almost finished with uh, uh, narrating the, the second book. And it throws a wrench if you get it cold. And yeah, it, uh, it absolutely does. So you kind of have to be careful what you're doing. But then I can I can kind of slip fall into the voice. So if you take a break, and we, you can't sit there and record for eight hours straight. It's just not going to happen. No, you should never. If no. you're going to record, your, your benchmark for a day, your limit should be about 30,000 words. Yeah, which and you shouldn't be talking for more than an hour ish at a time. Yeah, because you your voice will breaks. change as your vocal yes. cords yep. oh, yeah. tighten mm-hmm. and yeah, yeah. And learn to love pineapple juice and green tea, mm-hmm. throat coat tea, throat coat tea, throat, it's, it's honey. A former mm-hmm. secret. I love all that stuff. Avoid, avoid dairy. Oh. Avoid dairy. <laughs> avoid avoid soda. Just cut that crap out. You yep. you, you want warm drinks? Don't look at me like that, sir. I'm saying it for dairy. <laughs> <laughs> That's fine. Don't use it at that particular point if you're yeah. going to be doing narration or public speaking. Don't do it. And, uh, unless you don't. need to hit that particular accent. Yeah, unless you're trying. Yeah, exactly. Well, you know, I usually, well, for one of my books, I gargled with bourbon to actually get the uh, the voice right. Yes, I know. It was a bad thing. Cool. That was, that was Oscar. Yeah. Oh. Okay. Yeah, if you're if you're planning on doing some recording and you know after you get home from work, then don't do what I do and sing Hamilton on your commute home. <laughs> yeah. oh, no. That was a terrible mistake. Yes, it was. But at the same time, if you do, if you're going to narrate your own stuff and you do have multiple voices that you're going to be using. Like Paul said, if you've got characters, create those files of what they sound like. The other thing is to have a catchphrase for every character. Yeah, for ha- test uh-huh. Yeah, just yep. how, so that you can sense. say it and yep. then you hit record. Um, I, well, no, actually. <laughs> actually. That's how I do almost all my accents. Yeah. But have for, a certain thing that you know yep. you know how to say. And it. And sometimes it's, maybe, maybe you have one and then you listen to somebody else and you go, oh, that's even better. So... For a while, there the the phrase for the Russian characters was "Oh, look, and there's being Waffle House," and I thought, well, that's a little difficult because I haven't heard anybody else say that. And then I watched Iron Man too. <laughs> I want my like, book. Yes, that is it. I want my book. Yeah, my my. And it was like um, at that point, all the muscles are trained. You know, the right timber and pulls it out. Again. Yeah, my my God, so good. My German <sighs> accent is Nightcrawler from X two. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Most yeah, people will not understand anything beyond what they see with their own two eyes. But it's it's those little things that that get into it. 
Yeah, this is my accent person. (laughs) Another thing for listening, if you are lucky enough to live near a college campus, big or small, I don't care, find the student union building, find the coffee shop, find the hangout, bring your 10 bucks, have your mediocre, you know, lunch fare and listen. Mm-hmm. because they're going to pull in people from all over the world. I was really, really fortunate to work in academia in a place that hailed the, the, their big selling point was, we have students from over 90 different countries. And I worked in a tutoring center and we had a lot of students from all over the world. So I need a South African accent. Okay. I've got a student there. I need to know what someone sounds like from Ghana. Got that one. What about Nigeria? Here. What about Jamaica? Here. What about Barbados? Isn't Barbados like Jamaica? Oh, no. No. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. Just, just like England is Ireland, right? Mm. No, no, there's even the Scots are English and the no, Irish are English. No, it's it's even it's even more subtle, and it's even the the words and the curse words that are chosen. Mm-hmm. But having I said I had this I had two students. One was from just outside Kingston, and one was from Barbados. And I said, okay, just pretend I'm not here. They're both they were in a class I was teaching. I was like, just talk. They're like, what? Just I need to listen about what? It's like. It's research. What are you doing research? And the two of them just started back and forth. These 18-year-old guys are going back mm-hmm. and forth in my class. I'm like, oh, oh, that's it. Oh, that's really – what are you doing? I'm just listening. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, what? It's like, I need to learn how you sound. Why? Because I'm not going to do it properly if y'all don't teach me. Yep. And they went, oh. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh-huh. And so up till the day they graduated, like, hey, so can you say this back? And I'm like, can I? I'm going to sound silly. So I'd sound silly saying it. They're like, no, no, no. It needs to be this way or this way. Yeah. So listening and being open to suggesting the voice, not mimicking, because mimicking makes fun of people. Yeah. Yes. But just the little language tags that suggest. Um, and that's when you're writing, but also when you're narrating, how do you get those little things to differentiate? Mm-hmm. And that's another trick mm-hmm. you can use. Yep. Yeah, some people try to write dialect into their written manuscript. No, don't do that. That is dangerous. Mm-hmm. Um, it can work, but you have to be... You gotta be spot on. You gotta be yeah. skilled with it, and you can't overdo I mean, it. I've got a, I've got a character that I'm developing, and Veronica knows this. She's actually been brainstorming some ideas with me, who will be of Russian descent, and I intend for her to to speak in English, and I intend for her to speak proper English, but I'm resi- I'm trying to decide if I want to have her drop into a random Russian word here or there. Mm-hmm. Or you know how I want to differentiate her as a written character because I know she'll be able to do it just fine in audio, but the written's got to be there first. Yes, mm-hmm. it's it's, it's yeah. a balancing act that you that you have to. It's a learned skill. Mm-hmm. Each language has got a set of sounds and a particular word order mm-hmm. how it speaks, and if if you can hear that set of sounds in your head. Uh, uh, you get a, get a better feel for the word order. You don't have to write the dialect in your text. True. Mm-hmm. So use it with, with syntax. I want to bring up just as a story example of the uh, language. I have a friend who was a great fan of Robert Heinlein. Mm-hmm. And he learned all of his Russian from reading Heinlein stories. <laughs> so he knew like four words in Russian. Don, yet, Dovarich, and Dasvodanya. And he would use these constantly as if he was speaking Russian. <laughs> we get tired of it. <laughs> so one of our friends probably said, Ah, Spadania, Spadania. He said, What? Oh, so he started, Spadania, Spadania. 
what was what, what saying spit on you right compressed it said spit on you and it sounded like it was Russian oh god he had no idea what he was saying and until somebody told him if you're gonna, <laughs> and if you're gonna drop a word in a foreign language make sure you know what it means oh. not that it sounds good yeah um, well my, unless you're doing it on purpose no 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 my my father-in-law i can tell the story my wife will tell it it would tell if she was here my father-in-law hosted um, a family from puerto rico and we and they my, my wife and i we live outside chicago her family lives outside chicago and as a way to welcome them in when they rolled up on their driveway my father-in-law goes out there and says Buenos dias, cabron. And he was oh. trying to be nice. Oh. And what he ended up doing was no. calling these people, I'm not going to say it here because we are in mixed company. No. And it turned into a funny joke and a ha-ha thing. But he had learned this word and he thought he was going to be welcoming and everything else. And it kind of backfired. Mm-hmm. So if you're going to drop a language into the language, make sure you know what it means. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and also do it only if it makes sense for the character yes. to yeah. do that. Yes. Mm-hmm. There, there are there are times where, um, like for instance, um, I'm reading the Expanse right now or listening to the Expanse right now. There, there's points in there where they go into um, spacer belter dialogue, and it's this patois of of God, it's insane. You can barely follow what the characters are Did saying. Just French. <laughs> Sorry. Patois. Mm-hmm. What's the problem? No, no, you're Frenching. <laughs> I can even say croissant. Oh, it's fancy. La dee da. Can't spell it, but I can say it. <laughs> so there's there's ways to do that too, where you can give the context and the way the other character reacts to it. You also get the context, even if it's in a foreign language. Mm-hmm. So, for instance, there are some uh, um, uh, Baragas children's stories where the the protag is is French, and she's going to murder some English words occasionally, and occasionally she will speak French, and we're not going to explain exactly what it was she said, mm-hmm. but we'll get the context from the conversation. Yeah, from and the reaction. That, from the reaction, and also mm-hmm. from the, the the when the reaction comes, it's also the facial expression. It's what it's how they say what they say when it comes back to it. Those are things very important to think about when you're writing. Um, any piece that's going to be spoken. And obviously it's very important for the written word, but it's even more important for, for how it's going to be spoken because otherwise it can just fall apart real fast. But it's a good trick. Um, and if you if you uh, read Corey's Expanse, you'll see what I'm talking about because the, the Belter dialogue is just nuts. It's completely nuts. I don't even know how to describe it. It's like this mix of Spanish, English with... Uh, um, I, I, I can't even describe it. There are so many different words. It almost sounds like somebody from Jamaica talking. The, the, yeah. the stereotype Jamaican. It's like a mixture of Jamaican and Slavic slang. Yeah, and, and with, with English thrown in just to confuse yeah. the hell out of you. So it's, it, and wow. it, it works, but the first time I, know, I heard right? it, it was just, <laughs> but it's good stuff. All right, we have one minute left, which means we have absolutely no time for questions. I apologize. However, I would like our panelists to say where we can find them. So, Steve? Well, if uh, you want to, you can, write me, you can reach me through the business website. I'm the writer workshop coordinator, and I will get any messages that you have to send to me, and I will reply as soon as I can. All right. Uh, for us, for podcasts? Um, you can find us at the Melting Pot 
MeltingPotCast.com. On Facebook, there's a Melting Podcast group. Um, you have a Twitter somewhere. Well, um, you can find me pretty much anywhere. That's well, AF Podcast yeah, has Twitter. Yeah. yeah, you can find me anywhere that's AF Grappin. Um, I think I have an Instagram under that. Uh, I don't do it. Twitter, Facebook, and AFGrappin.com. You can find me online at VoicesByVeronica.com. You can also find me on Facebook. Uh, search Voices by Veronica. There is a Facebook page. Um, the Secret World Chronicle. You can find that podcast and all five, six days straight of me talking. Um, it really is. <laughs> it's a lot of her. The Secret World Chronicle um, or SecretWorldChronicle.com. You can find me on Twitter at V for Voice. You can find me on Instagram at V is for Voice. And if you find anybody here who's got the purple voiced by Veronica Ribbon, ask them. They can tell you where to find me, too. Um, you can find me at PCHerring.net, um, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and, yes, Patreon, uh, all at PC Herring. Um, my books are available on Amazon and in the dealer's room. And you can find me at ShadowPublications.com, which is also where the podcast is, links to all my Various things. You can find me on Amazon as Paul E. Cooley, just like in all my books. And also, you can find me at Dev Robot Society Podcast, where for the last almost 10 years now, we have been, uh, through various hosts, we, we run a weekly writing podcast. We also have a Patreon as well there, so you can get special live episodes. We interview folks. We talk about the written word. We talk about pretty much everything about us writers, audio folk, visual media, any kind of writing. We... we we basically cover it and defile it. So uh, please true. please feel free to join us there. And uh, thank you very much for being here. And uh, enjoy the rest of your con. Thank you for listening to The Melting Podcast. You can check out our website with submission guidelines and current prompts at themeltingpodcast.com. You can also find us on Twitter at Melting Podcast. Or you could email us themeltingpodcast at gmail.com. The Melting Podcast is released under a Creative Commons, attribution, non commercial, no derivatives license, which means you're free to copy it and share it as long as you don't change it, don't sell it, and always link back to the website. Sound effects are by the Free Sound Project. And our theme is by Drew Rich Creek.